Hi, and welcome to another great message from Noosa Church. We pray that you're impacted and inspired by this teaching. For more information and service times, check out our website at noosa.church. Enjoy. Good morning. Praise the Lord that the remedy for Babel was the Pentecost. And now through the Spirit, we are able to understand each other. Four things stood out for me here. How welcoming the church is. Pastor Josh's knowledge and humbleness. Bill Fuller's smile. And Luke's hug. And actually, I would love to invite Luke over here on the stage to give him a, a hug. As I'm embracing Luke, I'm embracing the whole church. Luke thought that commandment to multiply was just for himself. I'd like to invite you to open up your Bible in Genesis chapter 3, from verse 8 to 11. Genesis 3, 8 to 11. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? Somebody said that it's not the questions that moves the world, but it is its answers. When God came to Adam, he asks him three questions. And if God came to you this morning, what questions do you reckon God would ask you? God's not asking questions because he's searching for an answer. At the end of the day, he knows everything. God asks Adam the question, so he gives him an opportunity so Adam can know himself. In Brazil, we have now 209 million people. And 27% of the whole population is known as Christian. And the most critical part of these statistics is that there isn't transformation in the society, in the, in the health of the population, and security. What we are experiencing in Brazil is that the church are full of people, but the world is still empty of God. Genesis chapter 1 talks about creation. The reading of Genesis chapter 1 is tiring. You don't usually like doing it. But for me, Genesis chapter 1 talks more about the relationship with the Creator and the revelation of the Creator. Genesis chapter 1 talks about a God who does everything in order. He makes the sun to rule in the morning and the moon to rule in the evening. God always finishes what He starts. There was morning, afternoon, and evening. In the second day, there was morning, afternoon, and the evening. We also have a God who does everything with a purpose. We have a God who assesses what He does so that everything was good. And we have a God who teaches us the value of rest. God made everything out of His own word, even though He rested. And when we get to chapter 3 in Genesis, the theologians called it the fall. But it's more than just a fall, it's a tragedy. It's a complete loss of our communion with the Father. If you want to understand the whole Bible, we must understand Genesis chapter 3 because the Bible is divided in two different moments. Genesis chapter 1 to chapter 2 and the second moment is from Genesis 3 all the way to the back of Revelation. And we've got in the text that we have read this morning what God reveals to us in the fall. And it shows up on the three questions that God asks Adam. 
the first revelation that we have in the fall, it is the identity of who we are. Every time we talk about discipleship, we think about our identity. Everything that God does in our lives, it starts off in our identity. When God asks Adam, where are you at? He's not asking Adam a question about geography. He's asking Adam a question about essence. God knew where Adam was. It was Adam who did not know where he was. It was Adam who lost the conscience of who he was. Everything that we do in this world has to do with the conscience of who we are. It's very interesting, in the baptism of Jesus, he heard the most extraordinary word ever. This is my beloved son in whom I am pleased. And on chapter 4 of Matthew, we've got a temptation of Jesus. Then Satan changed God's statement in a question mark, in a question, if you are the son. And it's interesting that at the very end of Jesus Christ's ministry, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, Satan used a thief who was on the cross next to Jesus to ask the question about identity. If you are the son, get off the cross, save yourself, and we too. So all of the devil's strategy is to get us confused of who we are, of what is our identity. And the temptation of Jesus takes place in three different moments. The first one has to do with performance. I am what I do. So Satan said, tell the stones to become into bread. The second temptation has to do with what I have got. So ask and I'll give you. The third temptation has to do with popularity. I'll give you everything if you bow down before me and worship me. So the devil's proposal is to transform our identity in a result of our competency. If there is something that the devil tries to take away from us, it is the conscience of who we are. We live two crises today. One, it's a crisis of identity. Second, it's a crisis of faith. When you talk about faith, what's the first word that comes up in your mind? Trust or knowledge? We usually we put together faith with trust. When God tests Abraham, and remember that Abraham was called the father of faith, God did not test Abraham to know how much Abraham trusts in God. God tests Abraham so Abraham knows how much he knows about God. So our crisis of faith, it's because we haven't yet understood that the testimony of faith is the trust. But the foundation of faith is knowledge. Is there any teacher sitting down here, here this morning? We've got a few here. So when a teacher applies a test in the class, this test is not to check how much the student trusts in the teacher, but just find out how much the student knows about the subject. So God is giving us an opportunity to reveal how much we know him. God knew everything about Abraham. It was Abraham who did not know how far he could go. So God did not test Abraham. God tests through Abraham. The testimony of our faith, the trust is something that the world needs. But the world needs to know how much you know about our God. In Brazil, we've been experiencing a difference between faith and belief. Belief has to do with the expectation that I have about God or from God. Whereas faith talks about God's perspective for my life. So, so many times in our Christian life, it's based on our beliefs and not a life of faith. So many times our faith is based and anchored on what we want from God. 
and not in what God has stored for us. When the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is the counselor, He's not a counselor in the sense of giving advices. He's a counselor in the sense of revealing God's knowledge to us. That's what the Holy Spirit came down to do, reveal all of God's will for our lives. That's why the righteousness will live by faith, and the believer lives out of his own beliefs. So you don't need a husband who is a believer. You need a husband who is a righteous man. We have learned it wrong. We have learned that faith moves God's hand. Faith doesn't move God's hand. Faith moves us toward God. I've been learning that it's not people's mistake that makes me frustrated. It is our expectation over them in doing what's right. We also build up expectations about God. And if God doesn't not do what we are expecting, we also get frustrated with God. And God is not here to satisfy my own expectations. He is here to kill our expectations. God is here to establish His purpose in my life. God's not here to make and please my own will. God is here to take me to do His will. Faith isn't to hear God. Faith is not to God to hear me. Faith is for me to be able to hear God. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing the Word. Paul also talks about, in Corinthians chapter 13, he said, examine your own selves. Examine your own selves to see if you are in the faith. That's, what, that's the meaning, because so many times you are not in faith. We are only on our beliefs. We always think with the perspective of what's earthly and material. When you read in the Bible that faith is a confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see, what we think about it, everything that I have in my mind, God's going to make it to bring it forth in my life. And I'm actually thinking about things. It's not what the Word of God is talking about. It's talking that faith makes me see things in the same way that God would see and also makes me to accept others like God would accept others. That means bring into existing what there isn't. So we are living out a misunderstanding of values. We are spiritualizing what's material, the earthly things, and not materializing the spiritual things. Pastor Josh once said that the things Earthly things are to be used, and the spirit things are to be desired. And the Bible says that from now on, we have decided not to know no one according to our flesh. It is see others in the same way that God sees others. Jesus saw prophets out of prostitutes. Jesus saw authors, writers out of Texas collector. So our faith needs to be dealt with, treated. We need faith to receive. We also need faith to share. We need faith to be healed. We also need faith to not be healed. We need faith to have possessions. But we also have to have faith to lose possessions. But we also have to have faith to restart something. Where are you, Adam? Our relationship with God became something that I would go for Him only if I get any benefit out of it. So God became sort of a great provider for me only and not a father in who I would go to have a relationship with. Adam, where are you? What's your identity? The second question God asks Adam, it is a question about authority. 
who told you that you are naked? So what God is asking Adam is who have you heard? Who gave you the any information which was not my own? It's interesting, but every day, at the end of the day, Adam would have a relationship with God. So what God is asking God is who has given you other information? Who has taken over of your mind? To the contrary of many people may think, unbeliever is not a lack of faith. Unbelief is a faith on the wrong information. So people are misunderstanding what they believe in. It's a lot easier to deal with someone who doesn't believe in God than dealing with an unbeliever. An unbeliever who has placed his belief on the wrong information. So it was what Adam did. He had an information. He had a direction. He had a voice that he used to hear. So God's question to Adam was, who made you know that you are naked? There is a psychological problem which is called OCD. OCD makes the, p the brain to seek for information and the brain holds on to the information that he gets. And nowadays we have an, an excess of information. The more information people get for themselves, the more anguish they suffer. So when someone finds out they are sick and he go Googling about it, and then he goes to the doctor and tells the doctor everything that he already has got. It's all about too much information that there is. So what's the source of information of your life? What's your source of authority? Where are we placing our faith? In what God says? In that night when Jesus went to see the disciples who were fishing, Jesus went to see them and they had finished the work or they were already washing their nets. And the Bible said that they lost all of their expectation and hope because they spent the whole night and they did not catch any fish. But they also had experience. So many times our decisions are based on our expectations or either based on our experience. But on that night, Jesus said to them, I've got something new for you. You are not going to make decisions based on your expectations. You're not going to make decisions based on your experiences. You're going to make decisions based on my own word. And for an instance, they did not believe. But he said, but upon your word, we'll cast the nets down. So many times we think that sanctification, it is to enable us to see God. I don't sanctify to see God. I'm sanctified because I have seen God. So when the Bible talks about keeping the peace with everyone and be sanctified, without it, no one will see the Lord. The Bible said that without me having a holy life, people will not see God in me. This is what the Word of God is talking about. My sanctification, it's not for my own favor. It's for others' favors. Jesus said, for, you good, for your good, oh, I am sanctifying myself. So I get myself sanctified so my wife can cope with me. When you talk about authority, we've got to make a difference between the Christian world and the secular world. In the secular world, there is more authority for those who tell others what to do. In the spiritual world, the one who serves and obeys is the one who has authority. Jesus never exercised 
authority upon someone. He always exercised authority to favor someone. That's why we have the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit is not for us to do things. The power of the Holy Ghost is for us to be someone. You will be my witness as the Holy Spirit comes down upon you. So we need to think about our identity. We have to review our identity. Our authority comes from our identity. We are made according to God's essence, in His likeness. Because God said, let's make man in our likeness. We've got a divine nature. We are able to manifest God's glory. It is something that Satan can't do. Satan is under God's grace, but he is not able to manifest God's grace. And we are able to manifest God's glory. It is there that our authority is. Our authority is in who we are and not in what we can do. What we do is only a natural consequence of who we are. We don't need to evoke God's presence in our services. We've got to evoke His proximity because He is already here and naturally He is here. The Bible says that the creation expects the manifestation of God's kids. This is the time for the kids of God to manifest His glory. The third question God asks Adam, it is a question about behavior. So the first question is about identity. The second is about authority. And the second question is a question about behavior. What have you done? It makes me very peaceful and tranquil. Because usually we do the things other way around. When your son makes a mistake, where do you start off? Reassuring him who he is? Or asking him what he has done? So we think that Christian life has to do with our behavior. And behavior is the least important part of our relationship with God. The Christ of identity in human being has changed the value, the order of the priority in our mind. So ever since that moment in the garden, we are always thinking about doing first. So then we may have authority. And once we have authority, we, have, we receive an identity. It's interesting how in the message Jesus preached on the mountain, how just define us. He said, you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. He's, Jesus positioned us. Authority. You don't put a light on the bucket. So God is positioning us by establishing our authority. In the sermon of a mountain, and he changes us, our behavior. So may your light glow, shine among men. So they may see your good deeds and glorify the Father. Jesus' ministry was a ministry to all about identity. I am the way. It was all about authority. I am the truth. And also to behavior. I am the life. So all of Jesus' ministry, it was to make us to understand what Adam did not understand. The first commandment God gave Adam was to be fruitful. And the first word from Satan to man ate the fruit. So from that time on, we start to move 
to our own needs instead of moving toward others' needs. And then our relationship with God starts to develop based on my own needs. For example, let's say that at the end of the service, God set up a table at the back of the church. And the Father, the Almighty God, He would say, I would give you half enough for every one of you. And the angels would like organize the queue. I don't know about here, but in Brazil, probably people would be cutting the line. And if the angel gave you a piece of paper, blank piece of paper in a pen, tell me the truth. At the time you get to the table, your paper would be blank or would it would be like a, written down on both sides. Do you know why? Because we usually go to God, taking to Him what we want. Why don't you take to God a blank piece of paper so that within that half an hour, you take notes of what God wants for you. So when we walk into our prayer time, we get in there to listen to what God has for our lives or just tell Him what we want. How many of you usually wake up in the morning and ask God, what do you want from me this morning, God? Because we always tell Him what we want for that day. And the text that talks about behavior teaches us that it's not about our performance. It's not our own strength that will make difference. It's all about God's grace. What is sin? Sin is to eat first and share the food later. And sanctification is to share first the bread and eat later. The Bible said that the woman, the woman ate the fruit and gave it to the husband. What was the problem of the church in Corinthians? People were eating first. And Paul said, I do not compliment you guys on that. And Paul would say that the gathering of you guys do more bad than good because you guys are eating first. And the Bible said that Jesus given grace, shared bread, and ate. So we are here to share. We are here to know what the other needs. We're not here to only meet our own needs. So when God said that in our faithful fidelity, He will bless us, in fact, He will bless us. When the bread was multiplied in the Bible, He shows us the difference between His mathematics than our. When we share it, we decrease it. But when, it, when, when Jesus shared it, He multiplies it because more people would eat out of it. Someone from my church said, Pastor, I think there is something wrong because I've been faithful to God and God's not multiplying it for, back to me. And I told him, God is multiplying because he did not promise that he would multiply in your life. He would multiply from your life. More people are eating now. More missionaries are being raised. Don't mean doubt. God is always multiplying. Prospering your fidelity. Cast your braids upon the waters, and then it's going to come back to you. It comes back in the, in the form of fishes. God cares about our behavior. The foundation of a faith is knowledge, but the testimony of a faith is our trust. Be holy as I am holy, says the Lord. I want you to get out of here today understanding that discipleship has to do with these three things with my identity with my authority and then with my behavior 
Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning, for the privilege to be gathering together here, understand your project to our lives, and understand what you have for every single person here. God, please bless your people who gather in this place here to live out the true faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this teaching, that you've been encouraged and challenged. To stay up to date with our latest messages, you can subscribe to our podcast. For more information, resource or service times, please check out our website at noosa.church.